Movies, movies, movies. It's that time of the week again. Step on up for your seven-day guide to everything worth catching in the world of film. I'm Van Connor. This is Off Screen. We got the Beatles. We got Spider-Man. And we got a mission to the moon. And we got a red killer dress. All those coming more off screen. Stick around. Groovy. Welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. I'm joined this week. Brilliant guest, filmmaker. Of In Circles, the forthcoming White Chamber with Sean McDonald and my man Oded Fair, and my fellow talk radio film critic, Mr. Johnny Hearn. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello, Van. How are you doing? I'm all, I'm all good. I got to see a new Spider-Man movie. I'm always happy about that. I know you're not a comic book guy. No, but. no. You can, you go ahead. Be really happy about seeing a Spider-Man movie. I will go and do anything else, literally anything else. What was there was one you saw that you really liked though, wasn't there? Was oh, it, was I, oh, I love Black Panther. Black Panther was brilliant yeah. because it wasn't a traditional kind of uh, uh, superhero movie. No, it, it was Lion a, King it, with it superheroes. Was, it was a proper movie. Ah, it was right, a proper right. film with a proper story. All right, Granddad. Honestly, okay. So let's let's go back to something more yes. your speed. Then let's start this week by looking at a movie about the Beatles. Yeah, let's I talk about yesterday. So set, set the plot of yesterday up for me, Johnny. Well, just imagine if you woke up one day, yeah, and the Beatles had never existed. Okay, only you could remember all the songs. Right now, what would you do? I would immediately trademark them all and profit off them in perpetuity forever and ever. Of course you would. Why? Because they're some of the greatest songs ever written. (laughs) Who wouldn't do that? And that's exactly the premise of this film. You have a a singer-songwriter who's having a a terrible career, he's not going anywhere, plays to a handful of kids at a a festival. So he's he's 99% of singer-songwriters? Yes, absolutely. And uh, he he has one sort of big fan, played by uh, Lily James, who's also his manager, secretly in love with him. And he's... Is it secretly, though? Is it? Initially, yeah, but then, you know, it comes out. It's a Richard Curtis film. (laughs) Yeah, we've not said that yet. This is written by Richard Curtis. Yes. Who, of course, you know, brought us Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Love Actually, uh, The Boat That Rocked, Blackadder. So Richard Curtis, who who sometimes writes something brilliant and sometimes writes something absolutely terrible. Um, So anyway, so so you have this young uh, singer-songwriter played by Himish Patel. So uh, introducing him. Mesh Patel, and we'll get to yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, yeah. very good, very good it is as well. And so he, you know, he wakes up having had an accident, and you know, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details, it is quite you know, convoluted, but anyway, he wakes up in a world where the Beatles have never existed, and he can remember the songs, he plays them, people think that he suddenly started writing all these brilliant yeah. songs, when actually he's just recreating all the Beatles songs, and he very quickly becomes champion as the greatest singer-songwriter in the world. On which note, we've got a clip, this is Ed Sheeran schooling him on how he might jazz up the song, Hey Jude. Let me just give you this advice, right? Song title. I won't charge you a penny for it as well. Hey, dude. Um. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. Are you sure? He's right. That's that's so much better. Is he? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, dude. Don't make it bad. Definitely going to be one of the best songs of the generation. Hey, dude. Don't make it bad. Do-de-do-de-do-de. It's got, it got a wit to this, hasn't it? <laughs> I laughed 
quite a lot during this. There's yeah. one gag, which obviously I'm not going to reveal. There's one gag that I laugh really, really loudly about. And, and it's it's uh, it's not to do with the Beatles, actually. It's to do with something else that doesn't exist in uh, this world. There's a few of those. I had an issue with one of them. Uh, because I was like, that, that requires so much foreknowledge and research. And it's really obscure. And I don't quite see how that works. And it also involves a conversation about the Beach Boys. But, yeah, yeah. Whole, there's, there's, I can nitpick it. Yeah. The, the film makes no sense when you put it under any kind of scrutiny. Yeah, but then, um, but, but why should it make sense? It doesn't but, have to make sense. It's, exactly. not, it's not meant to make sense. It's meant to be a feel-good movie that but, makes you laugh. Although, although, come on, this this is a movie in which Lily James plays the world's hottest math teacher, friend-zoned by a man so gormless <laughs> that he has no idea, but he otherwise has the intelligence to manipulate a shift in the multiverse. Yes. I mean... That's that's something you'd you'd need Richard Curtis to sell that idea. I'm not entirely sure that he makes the shift in the multiverse. <laughs> I think it's probably the bus <laughs> that hits him that makes the shift in the multiverse. Right. He, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Ed Sheeran's terrible, right? No, I thought Come I should call him right. No, no, no. I, for, I have to say, I, I don't mind Ed Sheeran in this because he's not Chris Martin. And the original uh, idea yeah, was know, Chris but... Martin from the awful Coldplay and as you know I have this allergy to Coldplay I absolutely everyone has an allergy to Coldplay but he originally was going to be in it but but give him his credit he actually uh, um, he he put on a wig and he dressed up and he um, made a little video and he sent it to Richard Curtis pretending to be his own agent saying that he was unavailable to do the film but he did it because he's a terrible actor and he admits that he's a terrible actor so thankfully uh, Coldplay and Chris Martin are not in it but Ed Sheeran I thought he was really funny I really liked yeah, him if you say so I thought he was you know David Beckham in King Arthur oh no he's not that bad I did no. though I really liked Joel Fry from Plebs who plays a sort of Glasto stiffler in there he he's his roadie friend good. he's Rocky uh, Lily James has got genu- enough, more than enough chance to pull off being kind of just the love interest well Lily James yeah she's 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 amazing enough to be able to play that kind of geeky, quirky, and still yeah. still make her, you know. She's got that adorable thing down. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah. so yesterday, yay or nay from you? Thumbs up, thumbs down. What were you giving it? Oh, absolutely, thumbs up. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, I mean, and a rocking soundtrack, obviously. Oh, I will add this about it. Right, as much yes. as I liked it, more about it works than doesn't. But there is a scene in it that is the hold my beer answer to the nine eleven monologue from Love from the Beginning of Love Actually. You know the beginning of Love Actually yeah. when he, when Hugh Grant just randomly drops in that reference mm. to September the 11th. Yeah, like there's an entire scene towards the end of this. You know which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, about absolutely, well. yeah. That's just wow. Just hold my Oakley's bra. Like that level of just dunderheaded. But yeah, other than that, the movie really works. We got to move on then really quickly because we only yep. got a few minutes to talk about Apollo 11, which I know you'll have seen. Uh, Apollo 11, yes, a documentary about the Apollo 11 uh, lunar landings. But what what is different about this is that it's not presented as a, a traditional documentary uh, you don't have any talking heads no. you, don't, you don't have a narrator saying and then this happened no all it is is this actual footage from the time presented in chronological order exactly and a right. lot of it is footage that has never been seen before and footage that was shot by the three astronauts yeah. on the mission as well which is just astonishing did you feel at times like you were watching rolling news coverage without the actual yes. footage back to the studio yeah but, and, and you know, the fact they, they also have you know bits from Walter Cronkite as yeah. well Things. You know, it did feel like you were watching a, a condensed sort of news I wanted 24 more, kind of I wanted, because I know rolling news wasn't a thing back then. No. And it's a shame, because I wanted to be able to, to see it cut back to the actual, like, digitally restored footage. Yeah. A lot of it's digitally it, cleaned it up, has been, it yeah. looks immaculate. It, it's stunning. It? It, and it's, it's so good. It looks like the footage that has been recreated for films yeah. like Apollo 13 and, and First Man. It's it does, so good. It? It's so good, it looks fake. I mean, that's almost, <laughs> almost. I tell you what, we've got a clip to kind of show off the authenticity of this, because the only thing that you'll get from this clip that's been 
added is obviously the score, the, the musical yes. score by I think it's Matt Morton, really which was all played on instruments available in 1969. Is that actually true? Yeah. Oh my god! Okay, well here you go. Here is a clip of Apollo 11. The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. I thought this was astonishing. I was really blown away by this. And, and it looks incredible as well. It's, you know, most documentaries, you know, they're, they're great to watch on your TV. There are very few documentaries that I'd say go to the cinema to watch this. But this one, it absolutely, you should see it on the biggest screen possible. And they're releasing this in IMAX as well. Apparently it's on one show a night in IMAX screens. Yeah. So I'm wow. really I, I would, tempted. would love to see it on I IMAX. I know. Because, uh, there, there is a lot of 70mm footage in it mm. as well, being, being geeky and technical there. But it's, you know, it, it, visually it's stunning and it's, it's just it's so different to any other kind of documentary and I just I was blown away by it I really I mean I was so engaged I I, I sat there and I thought wow I feel like I have just experienced this it's yeah you, you go a along with it complete record you, you're so invested in it but also did you find that the, it, it gave a real sense of tangibility of actual yeah. presence yes. to events that are a whole world away from you personally, because you, you and I, you like I, weren't around no. during the during you know the Apollo Eleven mission, and it always feels like something that's detached from our lifetime. The way that it's presented, and the way that it's shot, and the way that it looks, it makes you feel as though this is something that happened just a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. And you're very much going along for the ride with them. Incidentally, this is time for the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission, of course, which is yeah, coming, coming up, up in, what, about three weeks? Couple I believe, of weeks, just over, yeah. Just 20, over 20th weeks. of July, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so directed by Todd Miller, uh, brought us uh, Dinosaur 13 uh, five or six years ago. Um, it's in IMAX cinemas, absolutely check it out. It also, like yesterday, is in cinemas for Friday, June 28th. We'll be back with more, so stick around. And we're back with more cinematic fun. I'm joined by Mr. John Hearn. Hello. So, where should we go next? Should we talk about uh, In Fabric next? That's out this week. That's well, the new, uh, new Curzon. It's sort of a horror offering from Curzon, really. It's, yeah, it's kind of a... It, it's sort of a Hammer House of Horror type 1960s style horror movie. Yeah. yeah. A little bit... Are you, the less are you arty. being served, more yeah. are you being murdered. <laughs> you know? A very arty horror movie. It is. So it comes to us from writer-director Peter Strickland, who mm-hmm. made Barbarian Sound Studio, if you remember that from, from way back with Tony well, Jones. Um, yeah, a wonderfully bizarre... Unusual film, but uh, yeah. and I think sets a great precedent yes. for uh, for In Fabric, which we've not got a clip of, by the way. But um, did you ever see uh, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson? Yes, years ago? I hated that film. No, I did I, as well. Appalling I movie. respected what they were trying to do with it, but I, it just what, didn't the, work. The for only me. film companies who ever make a movie in our growth, I think, was what they were trying to do, <laughs> and, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> exactly. So, also, how much did Stranger Things rip off Under the Skin in the end? That's a weird one. Oh, but Stranger Things did it much, much better. Well, it as did, as it indeed did, anybody did. Okay, could We, we will talk better. Stranger Things yeah. later, sir. We will. Well. Okay, so In Fabric, this stars uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, yes. Leo Bill. It stars Hayley Squires from yes. uh, uh, I, Daniel Blake. I, Daniel Blake, yes. Uh, I believe. Um, also, Steve Oram and Julian Barrett, who, who <laughs> I adore. I love, I love these two. Yeah, they, they play the sort of... Uh, I don't, are they a couple as well as work colleagues? I, I'm, I kind of get that. I sense. honestly couldn't tell you. So I the was basic, get, getting that. How sense. would you describe the plot of In Fabric then? 
uh, the plot is uh, there's a dress that is it's somehow possessed, and anybody who wears it ends up um, having terrible accidents. Um, <laughs> a, so, series, a series a of series of unfortunate events before them. A series of not very many unfortunate events, but there are you know mm. there is this this one particular dress, and uh, you know whenever anybody gets gets hold of it, it's it starts to you know do weird things, and you can't get rid of it. It's a little bit like you know a Chucky doll, but it's, it just yeah. happens to be a dress. It also works across gender lines as well, yes. which I thought was an interesting well, that was, yes. that was an interesting yeah. twist. Interesting yeah. twist. Um, gorgeous to look at. Like, there's some amazing visuals in this. I think it's like, it's like nothing you've ever seen before, but both in terms of uh, the sort of style and tone yeah. of it as well. It's very, very 70s Euro horror, I found at times. Yeah, and uh, the, the, the shop, the store where this, this uh, dress is sold, uh, is uh, staffed by some very bizarre um, <laughs> sellers who, uh, who, I, who I do this with, sort of uh, performance art as they're, as they're selling and every what I liked about this were the um, uh, the, the conversations that they would have yeah. were very elaborate and you, you couldn't just have a straight conversation hello I'd like this dress they, they would just come up with this, this incredible language and this sort of performance that they in order to sell you these things I went with brood era Cronenbergian that, that's kind of what I, what I, I that's the kind on. of language they use yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like that yeah lots of you, lots of Flary shirts, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that I, that I really like because it's just that's just really weird and unusual, and you know. But uh, yeah, it, it's the rest of it. I, I'm, I got me. I wasn't particularly taken with no, it. No, it didn't grip me. No. It intrigued me, but it never gripped me. I, yeah. I would say uh, it was one. very much style over substance. There's, yeah, there, most there isn't death, a great yeah, deal of you know. If it was. If there were more stories in it, if, there, if it, the dress goes through seven yes, or eight people, I had the same observation because it, see, it takes place in the seventies and then near yeah. enough now, yeah, and and that's it. You see, you see, was there meant to be an eighties and nineties in there? And yeah, it, it does feel like you've you've left the extended editions of those two storylines in yeah. and forgotten to put the other two. I had the exact same thought as well it, with it. It needs more content. Mm. It, it's a great idea and, and it looks looks very intriguing, but it, it just doesn't go far enough. Yeah. And also, you know, there's not enough horror in it to, to sustain it as a horror movie with only these, these you know, a couple of storylines. Quite, quite. What do you think of the cast then in this one? <sighs> some were good, some I found annoying. You know, it's uh, it, it wasn't... The cast weren't brilliant, even though, you know, you've got an Oscar-nominated Oscar actress in there. True, true. You know, I didn't think she was particularly great in this. Well, I mean, at least I had a chuckle with Julian Barrett. There's that. It's always nice to be just be reminded that Minehorn exists, you know. I remember remember Minehorn? Oh. Minehorn was awesome. Uh, that's a, it's a new version of the word awesome that I've not yet come across. <laughs> okay, so so uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on, on in fabric. I think thumbs in Th- the middle. In the middle, you, yeah. you're Joaquin Phoenix. Is what is a wobbling you're one, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're commoners. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with about the same. To be yeah. honest, let's talk then about uh, this. Is so that's in fabric is uh, Friday, June 28th. That's in cinemas. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up Tuesday, July the second, though. Spider Man: Far From Home, second Marvel Cinematic Universe outing for the character of Spider Man. And sophomore effort for Tom Holland as the character as well, yep. and the first Marvel movie to come after the events of the frankly genre redefining Endgame, the return of the king of the superhero genre. So you're not a fan of these, as we've stated. <sighs> no, I, I I watch one a year <laughs> just to kind of say that you know to as dip a your token, toe back in. A dip, you know, just as a token gesture. You're not picking the DC ones, are you? By mistake, because if that's souring you, then I don't know. 
I don't know. I just turn up and watch one and, and potluck. I might, as we discussed earlier, I might get something good like Black Panther or, or Wonder Woman, which I thought was brilliant. Or end up, might end up seeing something terrible like was it Batman versus Nonsense Man or whatever. Batman versus Superman, yeah. Yawn of, oh. of Justice, yeah. Crikey. That was, that why was the did, worst. Why did I do that? No, I haven't seen this. I'll be honest. I haven't seen it. I'm never going to see it. No? No. There are, chi- there are children. I want to see. There are children as yet unborn who will see this film before I will. <laughs> I'm never going to see this film. Okay, so, uh, second one of these, since Marvel kind of took the character, took the reins of the character back from Sony. Uh, Tom Holland, in this instance, is recovering from the, well, the world is recovering from the events of Avengers Endgame because there's a, not to drop any spoilers, but there's a noticeable shift in the status but, quo now. But if it was called Endgame, shouldn't they have just stopped? No, why, but, why are we getting is, more? We have, it, it was a game changer, that was the thing. It well, was, why didn't they call it game changer then? Why did they call it Endgame? But, well, because it was a line they that got used it. in the previous movies. Look, I'm not Kevin Feige. Endgame apart from the ones we're going to do next. No. Dude, one of the Final Destination sequels is called The Final Destination. And it's not even the last one. Come on. The first one was called Final Destination and it wasn't. So, you know, the whole thing was a lie. The next one is, you know, really, really The Final Destination this time. You know, anyway, beside the point, it's called Endgame. more comebacks than Krusty the Clown. Yeah, exactly. I know, this thing's come back more times than Michael Myers. But, uh, okay, so. Right. Following on for the event of Endgame, yes, the world okay. has changed. Peter Parker goes off on a school trip to Europe and gets dragged into a European oh. romp with Nick Fury. Yeah. So Samuel L. Jackson turns yeah. up. Hey, Samuel L. Jackson turns up in every movie. But, but I think he's in about 11 of them in total. There's about 23 now. So Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury turns up, along with Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck. A.K.A. Mysterio, okay. who is a soldier from another dimension who has followed four giant element-based... Do they have uh, the Beatles in that dimension? Th- I, I'm not sure. It's never actually specifically stated, no, I, think they, I we can't just, we rule need to it find, out. We, we need to find these mm. things out. So Spider-Man has to fight these elementals with the help of Mysterio, but at the same time, all he wants to do is inv- enjoy his, uh, his post-endgame, uh, post dead friends post trying to get the girl of his dreams no. uh, adventure no. so um here is a clip of him you know basically being told what the lay of the land versions of them exist across our mythologies turns out the myths are real like thor thor was a myth and now i study him in my physics class these myths are threats they first materialized on my earth many years ago i was part of the last battalion left trying to stop them all we did was delay the inevitable. The elementals are here now, attacking the same coordinates. Our satellites confirm it. We have one mission. Kill it. You're coming with us. Mr. Fury, this all seems like big time. You know, huge superhero kind of stuff. And, I mean, I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, sir. Bitch, please, you've been to space. Now, I'm a big fan of that line. I, I'm, I am. I just, that, that kind of yeah. sum, brilliantly sums up what this universe should be like. I have a good time uh, with this version of the Spider-Man character because I think he's something that this entire genre sorely needs, which is someone that's actually accessible to audiences relatively of that age. It's something that, that seems to have gone relatively ignored. It's like uh, they've noticeably not tapped into something for younger kids yet, and I think that'll happen down the line. And I like that Spider-Man goes for the millennial, goes for, you know, the touchscreen phone fanatics, goes for the Snapchatters. And I think doing that with it gives it something new that keeps this franchise, you know, interesting and engaging. The way that he's being used to tie 
little parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe together into a story that you didn't know was there as well is great. There's a gag from the last movie, for instance, about how the villain was ultimately created by background events of the other movies. And they play that to almost brilliantly comedic effect here. In terms of the sort of meta humour of it, it jumps from 21 to 22 Jump Street at times. Uh, Tom Holland's very fun. It's a flighty, frivolous adventure. I don't think it'll win you over, John, if you're not already I'm still not going to watch it. Yeah, I I didn't think this one would would really sway, to be honest. Um, For Marvel fanatics, this is not one of the all-timers. It ain't no Endgame, that's for sure, but it's definitely no Ragnarok or or, or Black Panther or anything like that. It's an alien language to me. I've no idea what you're talking about. It's basically about as fun as Ant-Man was. You know, I don't like Tom get, Holland. Don't get much. me started on Ant Man. Oh, fundamental flaw in that. I, I made a terrible can mistake we, watching can that film. Pills, can you put more of There's the a pills? Huge in flaw in that please. plot. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back when he's gone down. Gonna talk shirts now, specifically Twillery shirts, which are just next gen shirts for 2019. They do non iron, untalkable, and best of all, the performance dress shirts, which are anti wrinkle, anti sweat, keep you cool. They deliver to the UK as well as the US, and you can get $25 off with the code off screen. Or just go to twillery.com forward slash off screen. Me, I'm all about that resort denim. Smooth. Do you wanna stay up to date on the movies coming out this weekend? Do you wonder which movies to see and which to skip? Do you enjoy discussion of the themes in the latest movies? Stay up to date on the latest movies with This Week in Movies Podcast, TWIM for short. This Week in Movies Podcast offers fresh reviews, analysis and insights for the latest movies in wide release. They won't spoil any of these movies without first giving you a warning. And it's a weekly podcast. Subscribe now on your podcast platform of choice. If you're looking to relive your favorite movie, CNN is doing something really cool this summer. I know you heard me right. CNN. Sunday, July the 7th, their new CNN original series, The Movies, premieres. Now, you might ask, what on earth does CNN have to do with the movies? Who cares? It's basically just called They're Doing Something About Movies. So every week, this show is going to focus on a different decade of film. It's going to start at the dawn of U.S. cinema, which is like the 50s, 60s, admittedly. It's going to go all the way through the present day. So this week, first week, they're going to start off with the 80s. There's going to be movies like The Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, and hell yeah, The Terminator. They're all in there starting Sunday, July 7th at 9 Eastern. And what's really cool about it is that every week after that, for the next five weeks, the show, which, get this, is produced by Tom Hanks and Gary Goatsman, and it's an HBO show show as well. It's going to focus on a different decade. It's going to go inside some of your favorite movies. We've got interviews ranging from people like Steven Spielberg all the way up to like Rob Zombie. They're really covering all the bases. So check out this one. It's the CNN original series, The Movies. It's going to start on Sunday, July the 7th at 9 in the US. Seems like it's right up our alley over here at Offscreen. I'll be watching. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, well, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the Roof Garden myself. They're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st. And we're back for more cinematic fun. I'm joined by Talk Radio's John Hearn. Welcome back, Johnny. And what we're going to look at next? The movies on TV, I think? I think we should, yeah. Let's have a... Going on the little screen. 
So, your seven-day entertainment guide begins here. So we're going to start with this coming Saturday, which will be the 29th of June, I believe. And uh, what, what should we pick for this week? So something for something for the kids, maybe? It's a weekend. Let's go for the kids. Let's go for Zootopia. Okay, so Zootopia or Zootropolis. I think Zootropolis in the UK is Zootopia everywhere else in the world, I think. It's Zootopia in France. I know that. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is on BBC One. This is 5.15 on Saturday afternoon. So this is, you know, after you've had your day out with the kids, you've got like, a little chill before you get mm. to enjoy the evening. There's, uh, there's an animated movie on there that's uh, pretty much fun for the whole family. I had a good time with it. So. Yeah. Uh, Got some Idris Elba in there, which is always good. Yeah, a young, a young rabbit wants to be a police officer, ends up being a traffic warden. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant premise. There's some great gags in it. I oh, love it's it's really yeah. funny. It's worth it just for the sloth, isn't it? The DMV. Oh, the, the, the sloth, the, the gags with the sloth. And the, there's gags at the end as well after, yeah. the, after the credits with the sloth. The sloths, I still quote the sloths and I, I still mess around <laughs> as the sloths with my still daughter. still the most popular meme oh, on the, the internet, isn't so it? so funny. I mean, just, it's one of those kind of painful scenes. Like, oh, just get on with it because you know the gag, but it's just, it, they draw it out so it's much. done it's so good. well. It's very, very good. The, the performances are great. You know, the, the cast are really cool. The animation I really like. The story I really liked. I, I, it was just, it was just a delightful movie. Excellent. So uh, on Sunday there was something a bit more, a bit more of a, a teen weepy. I would say for Sunday afternoon we're going to move over to uh, E4 at six thirty on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, The Fault in Our Stars. This is one of those films that um, uh, based on a novel. I thought, oh, this is going to be really terrible because it's <laughs> it's going to be like trying to eat a honey sandwich. It's going to be awful. But actually, it's a really beautiful film. It really is. I thought it was really sweet. I think other attempts to do similar things have not worked. So I think there was Everything Everything a couple of years ago for instance and there was that one with Bella Thorne that Midnight Sun whatever it was where she couldn't be exposed to sunlight. These kind of sub Walk to Remember sub Notebook kind of uh, slushy teen romance adaptations and they've never quite worked in recent years as well as I thought The Fault in Our Stars I thought that was really good. I I like The Fault in Our Stars because I think although the the illness that she has the the, the lead character has Mm. is obviously it's, it's predominant all the way through the film it's not done in such a big sort of laid on thickly way it, it's it's there but it's actually just about her trying to not be ill a lot of I like films that it has are, a bucket list mentality which I quite yeah, like a lot of films about illness it's all about the character being ill in this film she's trying not to be well, it's and about just the romance to, and the heart a, isn't exactly. it it's more of a love story and that's why I think it works I, I, I thought it was a beautiful film and I mean we all thought it would make stars out of the pair of them at the time and I don't quite think it has I mean one of them became Baby Driver and the other is Shailene Woodley. She's on Big Little Lies, but even though that's a huge show, no one seems to know her name still. Not her name, but you'll know. You'll recognize you know her, her face, face because I she's think. been. She's been in a, in a lot of stuff. Aren't you that girl that got paid a lot of money to be in a Spider-Man movie and then just cut from it entirely? Yeah, you. Okay, right. So on to Monday and the movie we both like this movie. Oh, as well. this is this is great. So, this is oh, going. I've back. got a clip. I've got a clip oh, for this one as great. well. So okay, <clears throat> so this is 1996's Ron Howard offering. This is Ransom. So this is Mel Gibson. I think this was an original thriller as well, even though it's an old concept, it's an original thriller. Mel Gibson is the airline billionaire whose son is kidnapped by a, a, you know, a twisted copper, played by Gary Sinise, who holds the kid Ransom for $2 million. Mel Gibson decides as a matter of pride, he's not going to give him that $2 million. He's going to do something else entirely. And here is a clip of the only possible Mel Gibson solution to that problem. The whole world now knows my son, Sean Mullen, was kidnapped for ransom three days ago. This is a recent photograph of him. And this? Well, this is what waits for the man that took him. This is your ransom. Wait, I want to see this. Two million dollars in unmarked bills just like you wanted. 
But this is as close as you'll ever get to it. You'll never see one dollar of this money. Because no ransom will ever be paid for my son. Instead, I'm offering this money as a reward on your head. It's so good. What a great premise. I know, it is, isn't it? Like, oh, this is the bounty for you. All of your friends are going to turn on you now. And... Yeah, they they managed to make it quite surprising what actually comes out of it. The, yeah. the third act of this is, is, I mean, at the time as well, was really gripping. Oh, I remember going to the cinema to see this and yeah. absolutely loving it. Such yeah. a good cast as well. So on top of Gary Sinise, I think you've got Lily Taylor, you've got mm-hmm. Renee Russo, Delroy Lindo, you know, really, it was Donnie Wahlberg in this. Is it? There's a 90s cast for you. Liev Schreiber. <laughs> Liev Schreiber's in this as well. He's one of the kidnappers. The, just such a great cast yeah. across the board. I had a great time with Ransom. It's a movie that holds up as well when you see it again. Mm. And you only ever see it like this where it's on like ITV4 like on a weeknight last thing. Uh, when you see it like this, it still holds up. And it's still a great gripping thrill. I, I, the last time I saw it, I really loved it. It was a couple of years yeah, ago. Brilliant movie. Uh, absolute must watch. So uh, a channel I, I hate to invoke. Uh, too, you know, too often. Movies for men. Uh, 12.30 after, on Tuesday afternoon, it's uh, Robert Altman's 1970 MASH, the original, which is a classic, isn't it? Oh, it's so great. I mean, this is a genius, genius yeah. film. And I this is... I mean, MASH is weirdly more known now for its TV spin-off than, than for the movie. Well, it's, it's one of the very few movies that, have, that had a, a successful TV spin-off. Yeah, um, it's, often it's the other way around and they don't work. But yeah, the, the, it's as funny as the TV show, but it, it's, it's kind of darker than the TV show. I think that as well. I think it's a lot more, uh, a, a lot more pointed and a lot more insight. I mean, the, the series is epic. The series is an all-timer, but uh, the movie, you know, obviously is tunnel vision. It's it, it's a lot more laser focused. Yeah, it's than, it's than more the, the more about the trauma of of war and, and you know wanting to, to get more out satirical of it, than outright hilarious. Yeah. I would say. Well, the, the, the ending, the, the you know the American football match at the end is, is yeah. just it's pure farce. It's pure pantomime. Well, um, it's a Robert Altman movie, isn't yeah, it? It, it? It does the Robert Altman. Thing. Yeah, abs- I mean, it, it it is it's a classic movie. It's absolutely incredible. So just a couple to get through real quick there. So on Wednesday, we've got uh, an offering on film for at quarter seven at eight at uh, 18.45. I don't know why I'm reading as 18.45. 6.45, quarter seven, pick your poison. Uh, tomorrow when the war began on film four. This was a sort of franchise that never was. This was intended to be a sort of Australian counterpart to The Hunger Games. It was based on a series of YA novels. And it basically plays like an Australian take on Red Dawn. Yes. Like literally that teens who have to become sort of guerrilla warriors when their country is invaded by hostile foreign powers. Uh, I thought really good. Well, I actually really liked it. Uh, why would you want to invade Australia? I don't e- know. Everything in Australia wants to kill you. There are insects <laughs> that want to... You know, teenagers don't need to go and fight to defend Australia. They just send the insects out there. <laughs> they just, they just send the snakes and the spiders. Back, send open the animals. Even, even kangaroos try to kill you in Australia. You don't need to fight an invading force. Just send the nature out there. So yeah, if you want to see a movie that came, that got buried by the uh, the remake of Red Dawn around the time... <laughs> but was infinitely better and never went anywhere. Film for 6.45 on Wednesday, tomorrow when the war began. You know, we've all got Sky, uh, Sky Plus, things like that. You can record these yeah. things, like, they're all awkward times, etc. Thursday night, then. What I think is the best of the Blade movies. So, 9 o'clock on 5 Star, Blade 2. Do you remember Blade 2 at all? Oh, they, you know, I've seen Blade 1 and I've seen Blade 2, and they, they kind of blur into one, so I, I couldn't remember it. It's, it's been years since I saw it. Blade 2 was the one that co-starred Norman Reedus, Ron Perlman, Matt Schultz, right. Danny John Jules, okay. Leonore Varela, and I think Luke Goss. 
Well, so, you can't have everything. Yeah, well, the villain was Luke Goss and he wasn't bad. It's also the one that was directed by Guillermo del Toro, and it was just far and away the best of the Blade movies. Absolutely awesome. Uh, it's, a, it's on uh, Five Star, 9 o'clock, Thursday night. Absolutely one, one to fall asleep to, I would say. Not kick off, you'd sleep around 11, if you're looking for that kind of a, yeah, yeah, a, a knockoff. Yeah. So, uh, Friday night then. Close out the week in style. Richard Kurtz has got a new movie in cinemas this week. Yes. Yeah. So why not close out the week with what I think is his best one, if I'm really honest. I, I like Notting Hill. It, it, it's, I didn't like the very last shot of it. Yeah. That's incredibly twee not and flawed, unnecessary. Flawless, but then again, right. it's a Richard Kurtz's movie. They're never flawless. I mean, the, the scene you know, where Julia Roberts, she, he takes her around to dinner, which is where the idea came from, uh, apparently. Well, okay, we've got the clip. We've got, oh. we've got a clip of that bit. So okay. we'll just explain the premise, first of all. This yep. is ordinary schlub uh, bookstore owner in Notting Hill, Hugh played Grant. by Hugh Grant. Yep. Meet, by chance, Hollywood megastar Julia Roberts. Yep. They fall for one another. They try dating. Can it really work out between the two of them? Here's what happens when Julia Roberts, at a dinner party, meets Hugh Bonneville. Always imagined it's a pretty tough job, though, acting. I mean, the wages are a scandal, aren't they? They can be. I see friends from university. Clever chaps. Uh, been in the business longer than you. They're scraping by on seven, eight thousand a year. It's no life. What sort of acting do you do? Films, mainly. Oh, splendid. Oh, well done. How's the pay in movies? Mm. I mean, last film you did, what did you get paid? $15 million. Right. That's <laughs> such a good moment, isn't it? it? It's a great film. Very Richard Curtis moment, that as well. A- like, and, of course, a great performance by Risa Fans. Yeah, 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 exactly. Imagine, if you will, um, the stupidest man who has ever lived. Yes. <laughs> and, and a lot of it was shot in, I believe, Richard Curtis's actual house. Really? Which he then, I think, put on the market and oh sold God. for a lot more than it would have sold originally because it had been in Notting Hill. Very clever. My friend's family owns the bookshop, the, the travel store bookshop. Oh, wonderful. But uh, and I, I've still somehow never been. But uh, yet, yet I have a tote bag from there. But anyway, never mind. So uh, Notting Hill, uh, which I think is a, a, a damn good time, uh, very, that very is good, on yeah. Friday night on ITVB. Uh, which is not a channel I've ever actually been on, I don't think, ITVB. But ITVB, Friday night, 9 o'clock. So there it is. You have Zootopia, The Fault in Our Stars, Ransom, MASH, Tomorrow When the War Began, Blade 2, and Notting Hill. Seven films for seven days. Get some cinematic fun. And we're back with more cinematic revelry. So, Mr. Hearn, let's yes. have a look then what people can watch at home this week. They don't want to... If they've gone through their seven days of, of, of telly picks, they don't want to have to find anything else. Let's give them some DVD offerings, some things they can find on streaming. What do you think? Should we start with the, with the shiny disc format? Let's start with a film that was only out in the cinemas really only a couple of weeks ago. I'm surprised it's out on <laughs> DVD already. Fighting with My Family. No, you see, you're actually wrong. And I know this because Fighting with My Family came out as I was coming back from New York. No. And it was the end of February. No. It was. Really? Because I, I was this close to going and seeing it in New York. Wow. But okay, so fighting with my family, which yeah. is uh, the I believe the first pro- first effort of producer Dwayne Johnson, yes. who also appears in the film. He's discovered this documentary apparently whilst filming Fast and Furious Six in London years yeah. ago. The story of Paige, uh, Soraya uh, Knight, who a became, pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a true story. He was um, yeah. There was a documentary made about this uh, uh, young pro wrestler, English wrestler from uh, Norfolk, Norwich. I think is it Norwich. I think it's, and, I think it's Norwich. Yeah, and um, and she you know became very successful in America he watched this documentary thought it was a great story 
and decided to make a, a film about it. And so that's what he did. And he, you know, he produced it and he exec, he exec produced it. And and Stephen Merchant, who he worked Steve- with on Tooth Fairy, who was his yes. co-star on Tooth Fairy, is the man he's gotten to write and direct this as yeah. well. And it's really, really funny. It's a it great really is. film. Should we play a clip? This yeah. is this is uh, the parents who are Nick Frost and Lena Headey yep. meeting their son's future in-laws, played by Stephen Merchant. <laughs> oh, that's and such is a it, good. Uh, is it Julia Davis? Such a good Julia scene. Davis. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, fighting with my family. I mean, it's all fake, anyway, isn't it? So it's yeah. I'm again. It's not fake, it's fixed. Yeah, if it was fake, would I have broken half the bones of my body, Def? His left leg bends both ways. Well, that's nothing. You should see his... <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's a real good one. It's a good one. I like it. Yeah, this is a this is a really good film. It's really well made. Um, I, 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 I love so. the whole premise of it. Um, I, I actually think... Um, uh, Dwayne Johnson is really funny. In he this. is. He's got, it, he's I mean, got he's, the right he's, presence He's for playing it. himself... And he's playing a scene where he's, you know, he, he's the rock, but he's also, you know, he's putting on the persona of the rock, yeah. but also he's being himself putting that on. And and there's there's one particular scene that takes place at uh, the O2 Arena that is, is oh, really, so good. I know. Really, yeah. really clever, where he just changes his persona in, the, in mid-sentence almost. Absolutely brilliant. I really, really like this film. Probably the reason why I think it only came out a few weeks ago is because it still sticks in my mind. Maybe. I mean, I saw it again uh, a couple of weeks ago. I got the screen link a couple of weeks ago to watch it again and had a great time with it. Yeah. I think Florence Pugh and Jack Loudon are really well cast. Yep. I think Nick Frost and Lena Headey are really fun in it. Yep. Uh, I love that there's cameos from the original family dotted through. I did catch yes. one or two yep. of them. Um, I just think it's a really sweet, really touching film. Um, I actually do think there is potential in the real story for a sequel as well, mm-hmm. so I'd be intrigued to see that. Uh, yes, yeah, so Fight With My Family is out on Monday, July the 1st, along with Serenity, which is in no way anywhere near as worth catching. So no. don't be don't be lured in by this one because this one was was it Matthew McConaughey? Yes, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Monica, Matthew McConaughey and Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah. So very much of the way Hayes. <laughs> so of the way the way Hayes get together, <laughs> he is uh, on he an away is, day. He is disgruntled, rum-soaked fishing boat captain. Yes, in on, some on kind on of tropical uh, island. Yeah, Caribbean island yeah. somewhere. And um, his ex-wife sort of rocks up and says, "In fact, I'll tell you what. We've got a clip of exactly what she says. This what she says." My husband is joining me here the day after tomorrow. I told him that I would charter a boat for fishing tuna. I want you to take him out on your boat. Let him get drunk. Then drop him in the ocean for the sharks. In return, I will give you $10 million cash. Yeah, it was pretty ropey, this one, wasn't it? I, I mean, you know, the scenery was nice. And, you know, I can imagine that uh, the producers phoned up the agent and said, <laughs> we'd like to send Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway on holiday for two months. Yeah, pretty and much, they pretty said, much, yeah. where? Is it hot? Is there a beach? Yeah. Is there a beach bar? And they the said, Adam Sandler yes. School of Filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they said, really yeah, bad. why not? Oh, it's, 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 it's not good. There's a, there's a pivot with this film that just doesn't quite work. Oh, the, the um, bit with the kid? Yeah, you just, let's, let's not go it, into it for it spoiler reasons. It goes off into some yeah. weird they, they take this into sense, yeah. odd, odd locales. So let's go over to streaming then for this week. On this coming Sunday, which is June the 30th, um, you can find, if you're a movie subscriber, you can find Joss Whedon's 2012 Much Ado About Nothing has been added. Now, you seemed unfamiliar with this. This was back in 2012, after having just made Marvel's Avengers. 
Joss Whedon decided as a passion project that he was going to get <laughs> his friends. Turns out that he and his close circle of friends, largely made up of cast members of previous Joss Whedon productions like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, etc., get together. Apparently, this is like once a month, once a week. Something like they get together around Joss Whedon's palatial Hollywood estate and they read plays together. And Do you know what? I have seen this? Yes. Now, now that is exactly what they're yes. doing. So this yep. stars Clark Gregg from, yep. Agent, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvelous. Agent yep. Coulson. It stars Nathan Fillion. It stars Tom Lenk, Amy Acker, Alexis Denisov. In fact, I'll tell you what. I've got a clip here of Nathan Fillion doing Shakespeare. Masters, I charge you in the prince's name. Accuse these men. This man said, sir, that Don John, the prince's brother, was a villain. Write down Prince John a villain. Why, that's flat perjury to call a prince's brother villain. Master Constable. Brady fellow, peace. I do not like that look, I promise thee. I'm going to say something controversial here. Go on. Americans shouldn't act Shakespeare. Oh, God, no. No, not ever. Shouldn't be allowed, no. no. You know, I, I'm not in any way kind of patriotic, but... Only the English should act Shakespeare. I say the fiend. <laughs> it, it, just doesn't, it, it just doesn't work for some some reason. The American accent doesn't work do with of, Shakespeare. What do you think of Basil Ehrman's Romeo and Juliet out of interest? Uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, as he calls it. Because uh, I've yeah, seen cinema of that As last if it was year. anybody else's Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, I, I think if you have really good actors, yeah. it can work. But on the whole, I think you know a lot of Shakespeare on screen doesn't work. So the, the Kenneth Branagh version of Much Ado About Nothing was brilliant because what a terrific cast. Uh, <laughs> True story. Every time someone mentions that to me, and I remember Keanu Reeves in it, I have to just say the words, "What ho, my lord!" <laughs> but doesn't that just <laughs> prove my point? It doesn't it? Okay, so another movie. This one nowhere near as good as Much Ado About Nothing. This is on Amazon Prime from Monday, July the 1st. Under the Silver Lake, which is the sophomore effort from yeah. It Follows director. Is it David Robert Mitchell? Yeah. Yeah, this one was sort of like The Long Goodbye, but for people on MDMA. Oh, I don't know. This film just didn't. Really yeah. didn't stick in my. I, I, I'm struggling to remember anything about it. And kind of a know. slums of Beverly Hills detective noir yeah. thing with Andrew Garfield. And something about a lake, um, something in the lake, uh, not under something. the lake. It reminded me a lot of Southland Tales at the time, yeah. particularly around the point when it starts but injecting not, all these weird conspiracy theories. It's a, it's the sort of film that it, it's really trying to be something that it isn't. It, it yeah. just doesn't quite. Whatever it's trying to achieve, it doesn't quite achieve it. Yeah, I was just not quite sure what it was trying to achieve. That's no, kind of the I, problem. I couldn't with work it, it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Garfield's fine in it, actually. He's he's fine. He's he, he's fine. Yeah. He's not amazing. He's fine. And in I it. watch Riley Keough in anything. Yeah. So but. there's that. But other than that, no. Now don't be lured in by the whole director of It Follows thing. No. This ain't a patch on It Follows. This is no. more like that guy's own personal. They should be things. drowned in the Silver Lake. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this should left. be like yeah. yes, left dead under the Silver Lake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Stranger Things Volume Three or Season Three, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's coming to Netflix this next Friday as well. And uh, this time it's the summer. That's that's the theme of this one. It's going to be summertime in Hawkins. Lots of uh, stuff around carnivals this time around. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I have an. 11-year-old at home yeah. who has been counting down the weeks That's the thing. She this. must be like the perfect demographic. Oh, she she absolutely loves it. Yeah. Uh, we, we binged-watched the first series in one evening together. And wow! That, and that was the third time she'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but she made me sit down. We had, we had a you know a daddy-daughter evening together uh. and, and we binged-watched the entire first season. But I have to say, I thought it was really funny and I really loved it. And yeah, it was, I mean, it's, did it's, you it's, think it's the second great. matched up? Do you think the second season matched up to the first? Did that... um, I, I think it, it kind of suffers from 
a lot of the shocks have already been yeah. done. But I, I like the way that they, you know, they, they developed the, you know, the the the, uh, the, the creature storyline. Yeah, I think um, they expanded the mythology nicely enough. I'm intrigued yeah. to see where they go with it. Yeah. So that's yeah. Friday the fourth on Netflix. I take you'll be watching. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, so that gives me uh, that. That's, that's it for this week. So that just gives me a chance then to to thank you, Mr. Hearn, so Johnny Hearn, uh, for joining me. Uh, don't forget to check out White Chamber, which is coming to uh, Netflix in August. The uh, Scottish BAFTA winning White Chamber that uh, I was one of the producers on, starring Shauna McDonald and Oded Fair. Uh, it's a sort of dystopian future uh, government experimental chamber movie. I like and, the uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cracking <laughs> film. It's uh, you know it's coming out in Netflix, I say in uh, in August, and something a bit different and brilliant. So loads more to come next week as well. Don't forget to uh, stop back for uh, a look at more cinematic offerings, which next week is going to include such heavy hitters as a documentary on Steve Bannon and a submarine movie starring Colin Firth, because. That's the kind of lineup you get every day. So that gives me a chance to uh, to thank Mr. Hurt for joining me. I've been Van Connor. Thank you for listening. This has been Off Screen. And, well, as always, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>